We are back this week with Edge of the Couch and here to remind you of our favorite practice management software, Jane. Jane has been helpful to both of us as we've grown and managed our private practices. With features like one-on-one telehealth, online booking, and payment processing, we love how easy it is to use and we think you'll love it too. Speaking of online booking, Jane makes it simple for you to set up your online booking site and they offer some ways to make your site look and sound like you. Since having a private practice, I have worked with a graphic designer to create a logo with colors and a look that represented my practice. Maybe you've done this too or maybe you've done this too or are in the process of doing this or want to do this one day. When it came to Jane, I was excited when I saw I could upload that logo and colors and showcase them on my online booking site. While I still have a website, my Jane online booking site is an extension of my brand and it helps to create continuity and professionalism of my branding from my website to the place where my clients book with me. I can customize my online booking site language too, but I primarily use the notice function on my site. I add a line or two of text to the top of my online booking pages to communicate any important information to my clients. When I first started practicing, I used it to give a warm hello and indicate that my online booking was open. I've also used it to state my holiday hours or any changes in my practice that I need my clients to be aware of. As I've built my caseload, I've used that notice to say I am not accepting new clients anymore. Your online booking site is a great opportunity to not only give your clients an easy way to book in with you, but also to share more of your personality and who you are as a therapist with those considering your practice. So here are a few ways that Jordan and I make our Jane online booking site look and sound more like us, and you can do the same thing. Here's how you can customize your online booking site through your clinic branding. You spend a lot of time and effort on a logo and brand colors. Now you have the chance to showcase them. So let's talk about your logo. You can upload your logo that will appear at the top of your site as well as on all printed or exported documents. You can choose two colors, a primary and accent color that will display on your online booking site. And when it comes to the email header, you can upload a banner graphic that will appear in emails sent to clients and staff. You can even create a background, select a themed or colored background to add an extra touch to your site. Online booking makes it easy for your clients to book in with you. And Jane makes it easy to set up your online booking site as an extension of you and your brand. It's another reason we love Jane. If you want to see what your brand or colors could look like in Jane, feel free to try it out in their demo clinic. This is a fake sandbox clinic that resets every day at midnight. Just email their support team at support at jane.app for this week's password. Don't forget, you can head to jane.app slash mental health and mention the Edge of the Couch podcast for a one month grace period applied to your account. All right, let's start the show. This podcast is not training or supervision. This is an invitation to delve into these really big topics. When we are talking about clients, please know it is not you. It is a weaving together of stories that come up over and over again. With Edge of the Couch, we are here to create a space to delve into the topics that were either shied away from or dismissed because they were too big, too nuanced, too risky, or too uncomfortable to discuss in school or even supervision. We are two passionate therapists sharing our personal opinions about the therapeutic process. Hi, everybody. Welcome back to Edge of the Couch. I am Allison McCleary. And I am Jordan Piquel. And today we are talking about a bit of a tricky topic. We're going to see if this title sticks or if it makes sense by calling it this. But essentially, we want to talk about how do we sit with the feelings that come up for us when the client makes a bad decision or does something that we deem as bad. Mm-hmm. The wrong choice. Either the ro- they make the wrong, the wrong choice. choice. Yeah. Yes. Mm-hmm. Oh. Where do yeah. we start with this, Jordan? I think you can notice it. The easiest way to notice it in my 
experience is judgment. When you find yourself judging a client, Mm -hmm. that's when you can be like, what is happening here? Yeah. And I think when we start to name judgment, we also are talking about unconditional positive regard. Sure. And so, you know, just to hit the very first juicy thing here, which is that I actually don't hold myself to a standard of unconditional positive regard with my clients. I think that unconditional positive regard is an aspirational expectation and not a realistic one. And so while I think it's great to aim to be unconditionally positively regarding our clients and everything that they do, that's just not always human. And so I tend towards allowing allowing myself to to notice any judgment that comes in and try not to lead with it. Like not to be like, oh my God, why did you do that? Mm-hmm. But instead to go like, wow, I really noticed myself judging the, this person for that decision. And what does that mean? And how can I sit with it? And how do I make sure that I can put it to the side while also being able to hold the safety container for them, which is that they still deserve me to care for them, even if they've done something that I think is bad. When I say non-judgmental, for the most part, what I mean is I'm not going to shame you. Yes. It doesn't like, change the way I care for you. It doesn't change yes. the, how I feel about you well, maybe in not. the relationship. <laughs> but that's the thing is actually sometimes I think it has. Mm-hmm. And that's when I know that I need to refer out. Yeah. So there's, like you said, it's aspirational. There's a difference between the standard that we set for ourselves mm-hmm. and the whole humanness that we allow ourselves to be. And then when do you tip over? Because mm-hmm. I think that there's room in sitting with a client to be like, oh, I'm noticing judgment. I can feel myself judging this person. Saying that inside your own head. Yes. In my yeah. own Yeah. <laughs> I, I can feel myself judging this person. Mm-hmm. How am I going to approach this? I'm not going to kind of go one way or another. Like that was fine. Totally. Or am I going to like, that was the wrong choice. Yes. How do I know when I can't support this client anymore? I mean, you, I don't think you can know in the moment necessarily. No. But there is a difference between that we're not saying that if you judge someone, that means that you have to refer out. Or that you're a bad therapist. Yeah. This is what has kind of happened and I see it in my students a lot and those who come to me for consults, which is like, oh no, I found myself judging that person. I'm a bad therapist. It's like, uh, that what that person told you is a really shocking thing to hear that 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 person had done. And it makes sense for you to judge. I mean, the example I give all the time, which has literally never happened to me, which is why it's a good example, but is if I had a client who told me that every day they wake up and the first thing they do is kick their dog, I would judge that person. Mm-hmm. I would want to work with it with them. As a therapeutic issue. As a therapeutic issue, but it would really, I would really be like, that's bad in my head. That's a really bad, you should not. And I think everyone has their like, I cannot help a client work through this particular thing. I think about my colleagues who work in forensic settings, their threshold for stuff that they are capable of hearing mm-hmm. and then working with that client with is so high because yeah. they're, they're, Many of the people they're working with are sex offenders. And so they're working with people who are incarcerated, talking about their sexualized crime. That is like, you have to have a high threshold. My threshold, if my client was talking about sexually abusing someone else, would be different. And I would need to really sit with are they remorseful? How long ago was it? How old? You know, like I would consider all those factors. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Maybe you're not supposed to say that, but I would. Of course. Well, internally, you're not. Exactly. <laughs> not I out mean, loud. I mean, you might be fact finding a little bit, but. Like in the podcast, we shine a light on the things that we aren't allowed to talk about yes. as therapists. Yes. And judging clients is something we're not allowed to talk about. We're not allowed to acknowledge for the most Agreed. part. And so with Edge of the Couch, we're wanting to carve the space to say, it's okay to notice yeah. when you're feeling judgment of, yeah. about your clients. Notice when when a client makes a choice that you're like, I would not make that same choice. 
In fact, mm-hmm. I think the choice that you made was the wrong choice. Yeah. <laughs> I'm excited important. to talk about that. <laughs> it's important that we acknowledge it in ourselves. I, I agree. Yeah. And that we're kind of naming that the bigger question is not, do I judge my clients sometimes? Because you will. I like you absolutely whether you are at the place where you can acknowledge it yet or not, that's fine. But you will there will come a day when a client will tell you something and through your head you'll think, What the hell? Or that's so bad, or oh my God, or whatever you're gonna think. I'm worried about them because of the choice. Worried about them. Yeah. So it's not will I judge my clients because you will. It's more can I continue to hold the container and be in relationship with this person and offer them the therapy that they deserve, even though I notice myself judging them for this thing. Mm-hmm. I would say 99.9% of the time in my personal experience, I can still. Yeah. What about you for you? Oh, yeah. 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 Almost all the time. I, I guess we're also saying <laughs> we're trying to find a balance too because mm-hmm. I'm like, I think that there are therapists who can be really judgmental of their clients. You know, talk about that Rogerian mm-hmm. versus maybe more of a just salt. You know, yeah, it's yeah, judging the the client a little bit too hard to swaying the opposite direction where it's like they can do no wrong. It's right. more like how are we relating on a human to human basis mm-hmm. where I have my mm-hmm. experience, history, the ways in which I operate in the world, and the ways that this other person does, and how do we yeah, how do we hold those things when we aren't in alignment. What are some of the things that you do to hold it? The first thing is to notice. Yep. Because I'm somebody who is rarely judgmental of clients. I really am. I'm very rarely judgmental. If anything, I err on the side of it's okay. It's okay. <laughs> right. Sometimes I can say things that are sharp. I don't know because I'm not really attending to it that much, my right. judgment, because yeah. it's so rare. Mm-hmm. So when it does come up, it's only until afterwards that I was like, oh, Maybe I said something or maybe I didn't, but I could just feel the sharpness within me. Right. Sometimes I judge the person and I like them less. I kind of feel like we relate to each other differently. Differently. I do think afterwards I can notice the judgment, notice the, uh, yep. something about that didn't sit well with me. And this is where I think who we are and the experiences that we've had, the biases that we exist with, but also at the end of the day, we are in relationship with our clients. Mm -hmm. And this is what happens in relationship, in any relationship. As we learn new knowledge about people, our like understanding of them shifts and evolves and changes. We kind of move, I'm doing a motion with my hand, but we move in in these kind of directions of like, now I know more and I feel this way. And when I knew less, I felt this way. And I don't know that that's just kind of relationship. And can we just honor the realness of that's just what relationships are like? Right. I don't write people off. No. I haven't fully written off any client. Oh, nope. I can't. I no longer have empathy for you. I am judging you so hard. I can't relate to you anymore. That's never happened to me. And usually it becomes softened when I get more contacts or hear their remorse or just sit with myself and realize, yes, I wouldn't make that choice. And it's a valid choice for them to make. One example that comes up a lot around bad choices, wrong choices, fork in the road, lots of quotes, is around relationships, whether to get in a relationship, whether to leave a relationship, whether to stay in a relationship, whether to get together with that person, if that's a good idea or not. Those are, I think, the most common ways where that comes up. It's not sharp in the you're a bad person, like that was a bad choice. Yeah. Yeah, that was like a bad choice 
morally and it's more like i'm concerned about you this is taking you down a road that is totally not gonna serve you well totally and it's interesting that it comes up around relationships so much because i agree that's where i see it the most is clients getting back together with an ex that we've spent a lot of time talking about and working on you know ending that relationship and then getting back together or you know one that i am judgmental about (laughs) we're just laying it on the line here today folks so i'm just gonna say it because my theory is that people should not be immediately friends with their exes. This is like mm. a long-standing huh. theory built on – I'll tell clients, I don't think you should be friends with this person because it just rarely goes well in what I have witnessed. I'm fine. You want to be friends with your exes like as after you've both processed, great. But you want to break up with your boyfriend and then three weeks later like go to see a movie with him as friends. You're not friends in my opinion. Mm. That's, so that's one where I'm like, judgmental. I'm going to judge you. Don't be friends with your ex. That's um, funny. I know. But I, again, I don't say to my client, like, that's a bad decision. But I say, like, tell me about what's coming up for you mm. and the desire to be close with this person, even though you've ended your relationship with them. Like, sure. what's going on here? Right? Like, I want to be curious and hold in my own mind, like, or whatever that sassiness is. Yeah. Yeah. It comes up around relationship a lot. I think in my practice, I notice something that I am judgmental about and hold in my own mind is cheating, infidelity. Mm-hmm. Um, and so having clients disclose to you that they are, you know, cheating on their partner or planning on cheating on their partner, I have to acknowledge and hold space for like, I don't like that. That feels like it bumps up against what I believe about relationships. And I'm not talking about people who are in polyamorous relationships or have open relationships. I'm talking about people who are who who their partner believes they are in a monogamous yeah, relationship. Yeah, cheating. 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 Exactly. Like you can right. cheat in a polyamorous. It's that's true. Exactly right. Yeah. yeah, you're absolutely right. If my partner did that to me, I would be very upset and I would hope that I would never cheat on my partner. And how do I just sit here with this client? And this is one where I think sometimes clients, well, you and I have, have talked about this, like oftentimes clients won't tell you that they're cheating or planning on cheating or kind of emotionally cheating or whatever, but they'll there there will be these clues that get dropped and you might be the one as the therapist to say, is there someone else in the picture? It kind of sounds like something else is going on here that we're not naming or whatever. My experience has been clients sometimes want me to take away, they want me to tell them that it's okay. Mm-hmm. Or they want to hear from me that I don't judge them for that and I can't give that to them. Because you do judge them. My care for you does not change. Mm -hmm. My adoration for our relationship is unchanged and I still want to be here and support you. And I don't think it's okay that you're cheating on your partner. And it's interesting to me how that map of what kind of brings up that sense of, yeah, sharpness for Mm -hmm. maybe we're going to come up with different language, but it brings up a sharpness is going to be different for you. Just like for me, cheating is I do or I'm like, oh, that's wrong. That's bad. But I don't have the sharpness with that that I might have with something else. Like what? What's sharp for you? Um, What's sharp for me? (laughs) Put you on the spot. (laughs) If you're knowingly giving someone an STI, Mm -hmm. there's a lot of guilt and self-judgment there. And that I too, I'm like, that is really bad. I think it came up for me a lot around COVID. Yeah. Like, you know, having some clients who are really adhering to the to the guidelines and having some clients who were like, I'm sick of this. I want to be out and, you know, having to sit with just like, stay in your house for goodness, you know, and mm-hmm. that it's hard. Yeah. Yeah. If you listen to our COVID episode, which is our second episode ever. <laughs> ever. Um, and I think it was early 2021. And mm-hmm. you can hear I, my judgment. Like My judgment is so hard. It's softened now just because things are so yeah. much more gray at this point. 
Yeah. But then I was like, hard. No, I feel very judgmental of people. I'm like, you don't care about other people. That's where I was at. Yeah. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. Which could I still show up? I don't. I mean, I was I was judging. Her. And I, it's interesting to think that like we can evolve through judgment. Something that we used to maybe be judgmental about as we do the work and we sit with more people and we're, you know, we can maybe get to a place of like, oh yeah, they're doing that thing. I don't care about that thing anymore in the same yeah. way. Maybe yeah. it's not the same with COVID, but I don't know that the, when we're 23 and 24, I think that universally when you're 24, you think you kind of know everything. You Makes me wonder with like cheating, you know that will change for you. Yeah, maybe. If at some point you'll be like, oh, I don't know if it'll whatever if there's nothing that happens like oh now my position has changed but maybe someone will talk about it someday and they'll be like oh I feel less fiery about this totally or maybe not a common one for me around relationships is leaving a relationship so it's not Mm -hmm. necessarily part it's the I feel like you're leaving a relationship prematurely like skipping over feelings skipping over some of the work and being like I'm just gonna cut whether it's whether it is with a parent, even though I write about that so much on Instagram, yeah. that for sure make the choice to cut people off um, or break up with someone or divorce someone, but don't skip over the feelings. Like I think sometimes it's like, oh, I just want to not feel it anymore. So yeah. I'm just going to break up with this person and have this new life. And it's like, <clears throat> that's not going to happen that way. <laughs> like, the way that you see people being friends with their exes. I don't have that. In fact, I'm like, oh, you can be friends with an ex. And it's more like, this problem is just going to follow you to your next relation. Like, that's my belief. Totally. This, this is going to come crashing down. Mm-hmm. And we're going to have to do all this work if you mm-hmm. still continue to come to therapy. Because this, yeah. what's coming up now is not over because you which left the funny. relationship. Totally. I think one that comes up for me similarly to that, which I want to also name that this is where we can sit in um, opposites, right? The dichotomies. Because mm-hmm. I think I fundamentally believe like you don't have to have an excuse to leave a relationship. You want to leave a relationship, you leave it. And then I also believe people should fight for their relationships. Mm-hmm. To, to make sure that it's really done, you know, like, mm-hmm. and so that that's funny. But where I see it come up sometimes is when I have clients who don't spend very much time being single, they'll like mm-hmm. end a, a long-term relationship and be right. right into a relationship. And I'm kind of like, did you give yourself the space to feel the feelings here? Did you, you know, that yeah. kind of that similar thing? Mm-hmm. Um, like, yeah, what's that about? And yeah, they're like, all happy. That's another thing. Sorry, we're just yeah. skipping around. I think we feel fiery today. <laughs> um, we're in the judgment feeling. <laughs> We have permission. When a client is really happy about a choice that yeah. they've made, and when I'm like just sitting there, like mm-hmm. that was bad. Yeah, you know, like yeah. what? Almost, I imagine yeah. somebody who wasn't single for very long has dove right into another relationship, and they're so happy. Blissfully and you're kind of happy, like, yeah. Mm, I and that <laughs> don't think this either. I don't think this is going to last, or I don't think no. this is healthy. Even though you seem really happy, oh, I'm happy for you, and. And you know what? That is so my stuff because I spent oh, the majority of my 20s being single and I have very deep belief around like the value of singlehood mm-hmm. and why when we get out of a relationship, like it actually is important to just like be with yourself so that you can't, so that you can feel like a full person by yourself. Mm-hmm. And so when I have clients who hop into relationship, like I have to really sit with like, this is not, this is not your life, Allison. Like yeah. this is not your circus, not your monkeys, but it is funny. I mean, sometimes a thing happens where I'm sure you've had this experience. I just absolutely know that something is going to crash and burn for my clients yes. because here's the thing. Yes, uh, sometimes there are outliers and exceptions, but a lot of the time people just do what people do kind of in pattern. 
Mm-hmm. And like, I don't know, there's kind of a thing where I can watch my client do something and I just know, I, I just know based on everything that I've learned from like, I don't know, I think I've had like 600 clients or something mm-hmm. from watching that many clients and from being a person. And though I do have those moments of just like, okay, this is gonna be bad mm-hmm. and I'm going to hold it for you and I'm going to journey with you, but I can already see this. I already know where we're going here. And I would say like eight times out of 10, I'm right. Do you tell them when you can see the future, both before and after, like you're making this choice. What I'm concerned about is that this is going to happen. Like, do you say that or I mean? Yeah. Depends on the client. Depends on the situation. Depends on like the stakes that are when it's like hopping from relationship to relationship. I've had experiences where People have come because they're not sure, right? Like they're kind of like, oh, I'm in this new relationship, but I'm really Mm -hmm. still mourning that old one and I just don't know. And it's like, okay, let's talk about that. But yeah, I think I tend to be just generally a bit of a know-it-all and I have a really hard time not saying I told you so in Mm -hmm. my whole life. Mm -hmm. Probably clinically, I'm a bit like, Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. yeah, I did worry that this was going to (laughs) happen. You know, I wonder if people withhold from you because I feel like I would be worried about your judgment. This is the thing, right? Is that we are in real relationships with our clients. And so- All the ways that I show up in relationship are going to show up in me as a therapist because I can't – well, I choose not to fundamentally change who I am as a therapist. Sure. And so I think that, yeah, probably, maybe. What I like about the therapy that I do is that I can hold both things at the same time, my care and love Mm -hmm. for my clients and my like, let's have a real conversation about that. And I think the clients who stay with me value that. So I don't know. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know, Jordan. (laughs) My clients withhold from me. I don't know. Well, I think of course they do. The answer is of course they do. Because clients withhold from yes. all therapists, I think. Yes, yeah. yes. To me, if they're bringing it up in therapy, there must be some part of them that wants to talk about it. Sometimes it's also psychoeducation where like when you say, oh, I can see that this is going to be a bad choice. Mm-hmm. Like sometimes it'll be somebody is reading all the therapy books yeah, and they're going to multiple therapy or whatever it is. I'm just kind of like, you're going to crash and burn here. Yeah. Or they're like, yeah, I'm taking on all this stuff at work. It's feeling so good. I'm like, you're going to burn out. This is not sustainable. Yeah. Those are things that I that I, I share uh, that I'm concerned. Using concern as the vehicle, because that is what it is, is such a valuable way to talk about what is there for us. Instead of saying like, I'm judging you for this, being like, I'm worried about you. Mm-hmm. I feel worried about this decision because of X, Y, Z. Not only is that much more relationally valuable, but it's true. Like my judgment is often because I'm like, oh no, you're going to get hurt in the end of this and I'm scared for you. Not like you're a bad person, but more just like, how is this going to play out for you? Concern is a really beautiful vehicle. We can talk about that stuff. Right. So I'm almost seeing these three, maybe there are more categories. Categories. Or one of them is like, you did a bad thing, Mm -hmm. like morally bad. Anybody would agree that that was a bad thing. Yeah. I want to loop back to that. The second category is that you made a choice and I could see kind of the future of how Mm -hmm. it's not going to be helpful for you. Even if you're telling me right now that it feels really good, I know that this is not a good choice. Yes. And then there's the third category where it's like our stuff. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. Another person might be like, that's fine. Totally. But for us, we judge it because it's our stuff Mm -hmm. about, you know, they went to a different therapist. That other therapist wouldn't judge them. But I do because it's poking up against my things that I consider things about myself, things that I am and things that I am not. And so that's, I think that there can be some shadow work there, Mm. but also just like value system. I don't value that. I don't. Or I I highly value that. It seems like you don't. Yes. (laughs) 
<laughs> and that really annoys me yeah. or whatever. Yeah. Circling back to that first category. So when the when the client does something that, you know, most people would say, yes, that's morally wrong. It makes me think about working with abusers. Mm-hmm. And I want to talk about that a little bit because I think that this, again, we don't, we, we, I think we learn much more about how to sit with people who have been hurt by abusers, but I don't know how often we get information about how to work with the person who has enacted the abuse, is mm-hmm. the abuser. What do you think about that? Today I'm thinking in categories, even though there's gray. Yeah. But when I think about categories of abusers that I've worked with, sometimes yeah. it's, something covert. I realized later like, oh, they're actually using me to Mm -hmm. do this kind of Darvo thing. What is it? Deny, attack, reverse offender and victim roles. So that's a tactic, an abuser tactic. And realizing, especially in couples counseling, where I'll be like, oh yeah, yeah, the couples are, the couple is my client. And oh, this person is actually manipulating this situation. Uh They're really, really hurting their, their partner. Partner. And then they're Mm -hmm. making it seem like they're the victim in this. Yeah, um, so that, that has absolutely happened to me. So there's that category and then the other category where it's like somebody did something wrong that if a client was coming to me who was the victim of that, I would be like, wow, you were abused. Yeah. But the person who's coming to me has all this life history and is talking about how to be okay with themselves knowing that they did this thing. And so <sighs> that's a whole different group of Agreed. people. But the first group of working with people who are covert, like who I suddenly recognize this person is an abuser. This person is abusing this other person. And using me as a weapon to do it, Ah. which has absolutely happened. Tell me about it. I've just had mostly in couples counseling and then I've had a couple individuals that I think were coming to therapy to justify – like to make themselves seem like they were working on something Mm. that they weren't Mm -hmm. actually working on with me and then using that to kind of throw that in someone else's face, say, well, I've been – and Allison says that, which we should probably do a whole episode about what happens when a client uses your words Mm -hmm. (laughs) in ways that you did not intend them to be used. Um, But – and then I've had – definitely had it in couples counseling where I no longer hold the value that we are on we're equally on both partner side and a couple no, of therapists. No. I don't hold that anymore, but that is what I was trained to believe. I think yeah. you too. Mm-hmm. That's how abuse continues. It's just a sidebar. I saw this Reddit post recently in the talk therapy thing that was like, I've left my partner and I suddenly realized how abusive they were and I'm really mad at my therapist that they never named that that was abuse to me. And talking about how they, they were telling their therapist everything that the partner was doing to them and their therapist not saying that's abuse. And that's the shit, I think. Like when we're working with a couple and we're trying to be like, both people are equally responsible for the dynamic. And you have a person sitting there who is so very obviously more responsible for the dynamic mm-hmm. <laughs> and another person who is deeply hurt by what is happening. It is really jarring. And I'm su- I'm super judgmental about the, per- the person you should who is- be. I agree. You want to show up in this therapy room and be a giant asshole to your partner in front of me, and I just don't have the capacity for certainly not unconditional positive regard. But but then I think if you come in and you can name that you're you've done some bad things and you really want to work on it genuinely, then I can go there with you. Totally. But if you come in and you're going to be a pompous asshole about it and act like you do nothing wrong and your partner is just that it's their fault and that you're this you know fragile thing, something that you're getting at here. Is that sometimes when we do that non-judgmental thing, whether it's a cl- an individual client who did something objectively bad, yeah, and are coming to you to say, "I feel guilty about it," and that there's an edge of like, "And I don't need to feel bad, right?" right. Or there's an I want to talk about that, mm-hmm. or there's an abuser in the room, and you know, it 
another therapist might be like, oh, let's have self-compassion. Like you both do things. We do clients a disservice. Like we can actually do clients a disservice from their Absolutely. growth and healing. Absolutely. And we can actually replicate harm. A hundred percent. And that there is power in looking someone in the eye and being like, you did the bad thing. Well, I'm mm-hmm. thinking in a couple to say like you in that scenario, yeah. we were not in the dance like Sue Johnson says or whatever. You did the bad thing. You intentionally hurt your partner mm-hmm. in that moment. Mm-hmm. What is going on there? Can we work on that thing? Yeah. It's oh, more yeah. like a Terry Real. Yes. Mm-hmm. I want to loop back to something you said. So there are moments when a client has done something that is objectively bad. Mm-hmm. That wording is so interesting, isn't it? But we're objectively, other people bad. would agree that it was morally like, wrong. Morally wrong. Which when it, when it's come up in my sessions, it's like I've hurt, I physically hurt someone. Mm-hmm. I think that that's come up. Uh, my partner, a child, whatever. And sometimes it's great that they can name it for you, right? That's valuable because then you can work on it. But that I sometimes feel that pressure to say like, it's okay, you feel bad. Like I can tell you feel bad because we're talking about it. Like we almost want to take away the guilt that the client is feeling. Mm-hmm. And I understand that. I absolutely understand that instinct because we don't want our clients to feel bad. Yeah. We want to help them to feel less bad. But that actually there's power and value in just sitting in like, yeah, you did a bad thing. Mm-hmm. You should not have done that thing that you did. And can we just sit with it? Uh, knowing that like guilt in that setting is we want to feel guilty when we've done something bad like that. Yeah. And whew, that, that can be a really tricky place to stay with in with your clients because they don't want to stay there. I think it's easier if you two can hold on to like this was this was bad. Mm-hmm. I don't know because something that as you were speaking, an example yeah. that came to my mind that comes up a lot, which is like parents who feel immensely guilty for losing their patience and not hitting a child, but like, let's say yeah, snapping snapping or something. Mm-hmm. And I'm sure that there's another example that I'm thinking of outside of parenting, but it's kind of like you did that thing and yeah, it's not good, but like you're being ridiculously hard on yourself for something. Like it's not it's disproportional. Yeah. That's the thing I think is the, the proportion, the spectrum of the thing then matching the spectrum of like how you're feeling about yeah. it mm-hmm. and us being able to say like, Every parent snaps their kids. Mm-hmm. Not every partner slaps their partner across the face. Right. Okay. How do we – what is normal? What is not? And maybe we can hold for parents like, okay, well, if you want to try to do that less, mm-hmm. how can we set up systems yes. to make you more successful mm-hmm. versus like you can actually just we, – we have to be aiming to never do that thing again. Yeah. Which is different than mm-hmm. parenting where it's like you're going to lose your patience. But that's the thing. You're specific. Our, so when we're talking about objectively, mm-hmm. that's where it's like, like <laughs> it's some – Hey, some therapists might be like, yeah, it's okay to spank your kids, right? Like that's right. not universally right, 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 accepted right, right, right. As, or like seen as a bad thing. I think that it's a bad thing. Me too. If you were wondering what we think about <laughs> <Yeah>. spanking, <laughs> there it is. But I do think that another therapist might be like, that's okay. You know, it's okay. You got spanking, angry and yeah, they, you know, yeah. they did something bad and they should, you know, we're whole human beings and what we consider bad and wrong might not be what the next person finds bad and wrong. It's so true. Like even if a client was seeing you and I, mm-hmm. they would have a completely yes. different experience of of yes. like what is <laughs> mm-hmm. which again, I don't think makes either of us a bad therapist. You know what I mean? Like I think that that's just like real and that you know, the relationships we build with clients, the clients who want to work in the way that we work will stay with us. Mm-hmm. And the clients who need something different than what we offer will find something different. Maybe. That's okay. I also think that sometimes they can be hurt. I guess 
we, there will be moments and there have been moments where I find myself judging a client. I find that we have different values. I can feel that there's a moment of tension. I say something and then they clarify how they, well, but blah, blah, blah. And there's just this moment of we clearly have different ideas about this one thing. Yeah. And we're able to, we don't even necessarily talk about it. It's just like, just, okay. Yeah. Okay. We're yeah. two different people with slightly different values. And I realized later like, oh, I wonder how that feels from the person in power, from the person yeah. that you're looking to, to be like, am I okay? That's something about being in relationship is there will be these moments where we bump exactly. up against each other's yeah. values. Mm-hmm. And maybe we talk about it yeah. and sometimes we don't just like totally. we do in other relationships. I mean, it can be ripe. You know, yeah. what's it like for you to hear that I don't think that that was the best choice? Mm-hmm, or mm-hmm, what's it like for you to sit with the guilt here with me having told me and me responding in this way? Yeah. 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 I love like that's great juicy stuff. You can get really into really wonderful things with your clients asking those types of questions. For sure. Also think that there are moments when a client will bring up something that they assume I'm going to judge them for. And then I'm like, oh, I actually don't. Sex is one of them. So I have clients who are are like, oh, like I'm hanging out with that person later, but like I shouldn't have sex with them, right? Or, you know, like, oh my God, is it bad that I've had sex with this number of people or that I want to try this thing? And I'm like, no, none of that is bad. For sure. Like Whatever you want to do with another consenting adult with your own body sexually, and I don't assign any moral value to someone's consenting adult or well, you know, if you're teenagers with other teenagers, but like consenting sexual behavior. Unless and they're I have, Yeah, exactly. Yeah. 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 Honestly, that's really it. Let's just pretend all my clients are adults. You're having sex with other consenting adults yeah. and it's within the parameter of what has been defined in yep. your relationship as okay. And I've had this with clients. They will make judgmental comments about women who da, 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 it's usually women and I will be like I actually don't believe that especially for my younger clients that they'll be really surprised like oh you don't well what do you think and I'm like I do not think it matters how many people someone has sex with yep. does not change in my opinion their character whatsoever doesn't matter if that person has an STI it doesn't change my care for them one little bit I don't care if someone has tried all of the sexual things that you can do with another person but it's interesting because I think sex is so charged and so laden for our clients that they sometimes imagine I will judge them for the sexual stuff they're going to share with me. In terms of a different category, the I'm concerned about you category that we've been talking about, mm-hmm. where if somebody talks about how many people that they've had sex with mm-hmm. or the ways in which they're having sex and just the particular pattern that I'm hearing. And I'm concerned about you considering your history of sexualized violence or experiences yes. of sexualized mm-hmm. violence. That like I want to be sex positive here, and I feel like I'm feeling that there's something else here, yeah, and I'm sure. kind of concerned that. So it's very delicate because it's like it's I, really especially delicate. if there's self judgment, because it's like literally, it's not about how many people like no, or the fact all. that you're a sexual person or the type of sex that you're having. Yes, I have to be really careful. Because I can hit on their own self judgment. When it's like, that's not what I'm worried about. It's the part where it's like, I think there's a numbness here or a numbing here or a replaying. It's also my experiences as a therapist. My experiences as a therapist, I think, plays into that concern. When another therapist, maybe if they went to go see you, would be like, I don't judge you at all. But I do think it's valuable to ask the question, especially with young, with teens and young adults. It's like, did you want that to happen that way? Mm-hmm. Is huge because sometimes they'll tell you a story and then it's like, oh my gosh, that's great. If you liked that, did you like that? Were you into that? 
Yeah. And how often the answer is actually no, mm-hmm. which then means that they were not consenting in the way that they thought. And then that changes the conversation. But yeah, it is really layered. And But just that it's, you know, I've, I've, ta- I've said before, I've had clients who we never actually talked about their sexual thing because they we talked around it for ages because mm-hmm. they were so scared to tell me. And then by the time they told me, I was just like shocked that that was the thing because it was not a big deal. Yeah. And so it is really fascinating the, t- the things yeah. that people think will judge them for. And maybe another therapist would. Maybe another therapist would. To loop back to listeners who are <laughs> new therapists who may, yeah. you know, you probably haven't mapped out all the things that make you feel judgmental. You won't know until real time. And then all of a sudden you're going to be like, wow, I have yeah. a really spicy reaction to this. Yeah. It still surprises me sometimes. Me too. I can have so- I can have compassion for this person. Then later being like, judging, like, I think that that was bad what they did. <laughs> yeah. They should feel guilty about that. Yes, yes. Ooh, yeah. Mm-hmm. For listeners, you may not know what your map is of mm-hmm. things that you judge people for. You may not know what you find to be concerning. No. Find your balance of finding compassion for clients, not mm-hmm. going in with that hard exterior of like, that no. was bad. Mm-hmm. The judgment up front. And we're not these all accepting everything you no. do is understandable. And maybe it is understandable, but it doesn't make it right. Like, right. Yeah. doesn't make it not harm other people. Yeah. And I think that we can invite the clients to come into the gray and the soupiness with us. Mm-hmm. We can be upset with ourselves for something that we've done and still be kind to ourselves through it and be like, oh, should, I should not have done that. I would really like to do it differently. And I can see how, you know, the perfect storm was created for me to show up in that way, but I'd rather not show up in that way ever again. That we can do that same thing with clients mm-hmm. is to be like, how can we hold space for you to, you know, say like, I should not have done that and hold the compassion for like the only way to do it differently is to be kind to myself now type thing. Yeah. For us to discern what is ours, like what is yeah. just something that we need mm-hmm. to notice what is something that is therapeutically relevant with clients so that we can talk, let's talk about this choice that you made. Yeah, I'm concerned or you're guilty and maybe you should feel guilty or maybe we yeah. can make space for the guilt because yeah, like you hurt another person in whatever, you know, emotionally. Or, or you hurt yourself. You're yeah. setting yourself up to get hurt. Yeah. Yeah. So how do and we a, hold Maybe that? a part of you knows it and you're just ignoring that part. I don't mm-hmm. know. There's lots of really cool exploration that can happen. Do you have any closing thoughts? Yeah, you're going to notice judgment. Allowing it to flow through you instead of trying to pretend like you never judge your clients is going to be valuable. And like we're kind of naming that sometimes we have to notice the judgment but allow it to be kind of set aside during the session so that we can still be compassionately present for our clients. And that ultimately when we lead with curiosity – what's that thing? There's like a quote that's like – you would fall in love with everyone if you got the time to know them. Like there's Mm -hmm. something around like we can soften to our clients when we understand better. Sure. You know, 99% of clients when we understand the context better and we understand how they're feeling about it. Not to excuse them. No. Like, And I think that that's our whole humanness is that you and I have done bad things. We've made bad choices. 100%. And my therapist has had to sit through me telling them about it. (laughs) And (laughs) And probably is like, Allison, what the fuck? Yeah. 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 So to be able to, I think, see people in their humanness, like knowing mm-hmm. when you're at that edge of like, oh, I can't show up. I can't hold the container for this person. Like there are yeah. some pretty big boundaries about I'm not the right person. Like mm-hmm. when you talk, you've talked about before, like animal abuse. 
yeah, um, having sex with your pet, I can't mm-hmm. talk about it. Yeah. Can't do it. And so know that about yourself. Know if you've mm-hmm. hit that threshold. Exactly. Yeah. I don't think that happens very often. So for no, listeners, I think the most I guess it depends on the setting. Yeah, that's true. The most um common thing is going to be when you feel yeah, when you feel judgmental of a client's choice. Um yeah. when it's not a choice that you would have made, self-reflect on what that is about, how it might be coming up, how that mm-hmm. can inform the therapy in with the client or your own therapy in, uh-huh. in your own life. So interesting. I, I feel really glad that we have done this episode because it's one I think we've talked about, mm-hmm. been like, we should probably talk about this. It does feel, you know, some episodes, we've said this before, some episodes feel really vulnerable, others don't feel, and this feels quite vulnerable to be like, yeah. I judge my, I'm Alison McCleary and I judge my clients. <laughs> yeah. And then I feel the, the judgment coming towards us. Yeah, perhaps. totally. And I feel <laughs> I can even in this moment feel like, but not that many. You know, very, very right. rarely does it happen, which is true. Same. But I also it's exactly, yeah. But just that discomfort, like the mm-hmm. felt need to like put an asterisk to it or to soften mm-hmm. it because we're not supposed to judge our clients. Sure. And we somehow are being told that, that we can train ourselves out of it, mm-hmm. which I just don't know if that's real. At least it's not real for me. To close, you will feel judgment. And if you don't, honestly, to me, I'm like, you're not paying attention (laughs) yourself, you know? Or your clients aren't telling you. That's another thing, like what we talked about earlier. Like if if they either aren't honest enough with you that you hear about things that are the wrong choice or you're kind of passively listening and not really relating, being engaged with people enough to bump up against like, oh, this hits on something yeah. tender for me. As always, we want to know what you think. You can send us a DM on Instagram. This might bring up a lot for people. <laughs> you can send us a DM on Instagram. You can send us an email at connect at edgeofthecouch.com. You can join our Patreon community if you want to have more space to dialogue about these things. We have kind of cool stuff going on there. Ultimately, as always, we're so glad that you're here yeah. and that you let us, you create the space for us to talk about this type of juicy <laughs> topic. I yeah. I'm, I feel energized. I don't know about Me you. Too. It's, it's taboo, but I feel energized. And I hope you do too. So, yeah. yeah. Thanks so much, everyone. Right. And we'll see you next time. Take care. Hey, Edge of the Couch listeners. Katie here from the Jane team. If you're new around here or just want a refresher on who we are, we're Jane, the all-in-one practice management software designed to help you, our mental health community, no matter where or how you practice. And our mission is to help the helpers. We're doing that by creating helpful features that you'll be excited to use each day. For our mental health practitioners, this includes Jane's client-friendly online booking, a beautifully designed admin schedule, and payment processing with online and in-person options. You can learn more about Jane's features at jane.app forward slash mental health. And while you're there, book a one-on-one demo with a member of our support team. They'll be happy to show you around and answer any questions you have. Talk to you later. Thanks for listening. We'd love to hear from you. Send us an email at connect at edgeofthecouch.com to tell us what you think, ask a question, or let us know what type of episode you'd love to hear. You can even send us a voice note for us to play in a future episode. You can support us by giving us a review on Apple Podcasts, sharing the show with a friend, or supporting us on Patreon. Join us next time at the edge of the couch.